Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Those who have uh, planned a wedding or are thinking about planning a wedding, uh, they can tell you how much thought and effort goes into making the day just right. Important decisions need to be made. Careful planning concerning the dresses, the tuxedos, the pastor, the church location, the time of the service, the reception, the reception hall, the time of the reception, the cake, the drinks, the food, to name a few things. Right on top of all of those big decisions, there are two critical questions that need to be answered carefully by the bride and groom, by the hosts of the wedding uh, uh, banquet. Uh, Who is going to be invited and where are they going to sit at the reception? Now, a typical way of which a bride and groom might go about answering these questions might be centered on, on these two characters, right? Poor Aunt Petunia and uh, obnoxious Uncle Jimmy. You know who they are, don't you? You've got them in your mind, right? The hosts may debo- debate with each other whether or not poor Aunt Petunia who lives in Texas and, of course, stereotypically lives in a trailer and has very little, should be invited or not because she's not going to be able to afford the ticket to come to the wedding, a hotel to stay around the wedding, and probably most importantly, right, uh, anything that is on the registry. She's poor. She's got nothing to give, nothing to bring. Should we invite her? Then on the other hand, you have uh, the the time when the invitation less comes to be complete. The the, the hosts, the bride and the groom, they need to decide where the guests are going to sit. And then comes the question, where are we going to put obnoxious Uncle Jimmy? Where can we stick him? Well, certainly not next to sensible Aunt Sally because the fireworks there are going to be uh, a little, little too much. Certainly not next to the tables of honor either or the head table or anywhere near the tables where there would be in-laws or grandparents or close family friends or hmm, where are we going to put obnoxious Uncle Jimmy? How about in the back behind a pillar next to the kitchen? That's a good place for obnoxious Uncle Jimmy. Questions like these, they need to be answered when when planning for a wedding and for the reception, the feast. The questions of who to invite and where they're going to sit are among probably the hardest ones to answer for the bride and the groom. Some things just don't change over time. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, weddings in, in Jesus' time were done a little bit differently. But there was still planning, there was still thought, there was still effort Uh, going into getting ready for that special day. And this was common knowledge for all the guests who were dining with Jesus at the ruler of the Pharisee's house when Jesus taught them uh, these parables that we read about in, in Luke's Gospel. I want you to listen and hear again how Jesus decides where someone should sit at the wedding feast. This is according to Jesus, not according to Uh, our own ways and whims. He says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And when he who invited you both will come and say to you, "Uh, give this place to this person, 
then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, come and move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's put this in context of our two characters. Could you imagine the reaction of the groom and the bride if obnoxious Uncle Jimmy somehow decided to take a seat with the in-laws or even, even up at the head table with the wedding party? The groom, of course, would probably have no choice but to have un- obnoxious uncle escorted to the, out of that seat of honor and set him back down to his assigned place behind the pillar next to the kitchen. Of course, it could even be worse for obnoxious Uncle Jimmy. He could be kicked out of the feast. And how embarrassing would that be? Not just for the uncle, but for the whole wedding party. The pride of an obnoxious uncle may even leave, would ultimately leave him humiliated. Now, as Jesus is, is talking about this, the guests of the Pharisaic ruler, uh, as they're hearing this parable, they may have been hearing about this parable only in terms of cultural etiquette customs. That is to say, as a guest, well, don't take the the seat of of honor lest you be humbled, uh, but take the lowly seat so that you might be honored. Right? Kind of this false humility so that you could be exalted. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not preaching wisdom parables uh, about humility at wedding receptions. He is preaching truth to all who have ears to hear. He is preaching to us concerning his wedding feast, his wedding feast, and his eschatological fulfillment of that. First, Jesus preaches another parable. This time, It's told not to the guests, specifically, who were fighting over one another for the seats of of honor, but he addresses now the host of this Sabbath Seder meal. It was the custom then, as it is so often today, that, that you would invite people to a special meal, in this case a Sabbath Seder, so that you could boast or boost your social standing among your peers. You would invite those who would have something to offer, something to give. But Jesus says this, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous or the resurrection of the just. See, as Jesus was sitting there at the table for that Sabbath Seder, the people who were gathered there were not the poor, the crippled, the lame, but they were the well-to-do friends and family of the host who himself was a man of high social status. He was a ruler of the Pharisees. 
In fact, when we read that there is a poor man who suffered from dropsy or from edemia who shows up at the dinner party, there's not even a seat that's prepared for him. Almost worse than that, there is no invitation that was extended to him by the host. He was seen as poor Aunt Petunia, who no invitation was sent because they had nothing to bring, nothing to contribute, no elevation of status to be gained. In fact, they're just a poor, suffering beggar who somehow shows up and just happens to be at the place where Jesus is. And then when this poor person meets Jesus, everything changes. What do we make of this all, brothers and sisters in Christ? Two parables. It's a teaching among uh, uh, the Pharisees. Well, let me say this. First and foremost, these parables are about Jesus. They focus on Jesus, who is both the bridegroom and the host. And so if the parables are about Jesus, then the parables are also about us and our response to Jesus. We should be asking ourselves, are we the presumptuous guest, the obnoxious Uncle Jimmy who climbs over others so that we can have the place of honor, so that we are lifted up in the sight of other people? Or... Are we the humble who realize that we have been graciously invited and we quietly find our place in the lowly seats? Are we the shrewd hosts who invite only those who can repay, those who are going to uh, give us uh, 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 an upgraded uh, uh, place in our social standing, boost our pride and our arrogance, excluding the poor Aunt Petunias of the world, Or are we those who invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, opening the door to all? Well, the answer, of course, for us is yes. We are both. According to our sinful nature, we want everything for ourselves. Me, 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 me. But according to our identities in Christ, our baptismal identities, we seek to serve Our lives should look like what we read about in Hebrews 13. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The former happens because of the result of our sin, but the latter happens only because of Jesus. Because of Jesus whom you have met in your baptism and who has changed you there just as you gave witness this morning for Cecilia's baptism. And as we all know, that meeting Jesus changes everything. The parables are all about Jesus. He's the bridegroom. He is the gracious host. He is the one who assigns the seat and the one who invites and the one who shows us his hospitality. He has made the important preparations. And thankfully, thankfully, he doesn't do it in the way that we would typically approach such things. In fact, he invites sinners to sit at seats of honor in his feast. 
Right, we know how the preparation and the invitations happen, don't we? Jesus, who though he is in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, what does Jesus do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross for sinners like us. His whole mission, the whole point of telling the parables is so that you and I would see him who has come to sit in the place of sinners like us, to carry us to his cross, to put us to death, and to raise us to new life. You are the obnoxious Uncle Jimmy who causes great embarrassment, but at the cross, the divine was humiliated, embarrassed in the sight of his creation. Jesus suffered being thrown out, not of a wedding feast, but away from the presence of the Father. He suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood, and he did this for you, so that you would no longer only be obnoxious Uncle Jerry so that you, a poor, miserable sinner who has sinned against him in thought, word, and deed, might be healed, might be saved, might be forgiven, and given a new identity. Jesus invites you to share in his seat of honor. He stretches out his nail-scarred hand and, sends, and says to you, Friend, come, move up higher. This is the invitation of Jesus who humbled himself to death on the cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and above and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, Jesus takes you from just being a poor Aunt Petunia he invites you, a poor, hungry sinner, to share in his resurrected glory. And he gives you a new identity, living with him and all of his creation and dining at his table now and forever. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus invites you to his table. He is the bridegroom and he is the host. This is his feast. You are his guests. It is his body and his blood that is shed and given for you. He is the host and he is the meal. He invites you to be fed on a feast of forgiveness from heaven right here and right now. Thanks be to God. And yet there is even more. For we believe and confess that while this is a meal of our salvation, it is also still at the same time a foretaste of the feast that is still yet to come. Because Jesus, the living Son of God, is the host and the meal, we still have something to look forward to. For the ascended Jesus, who now sits a throne above all of creation, when he descends again from heaven, he will bring you to the great wedding feast set under the new heavens and the new earth at the resurrection of the last day. And there will we be with him forever. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how should we respond to such a lavish invitation, such a rich 
invitation. Of course, in one sense, we are like poor Aunt Petunia, and there's nothing that we could ever do to repay Jesus for this invitation. And that's not the point. Because there's nothing that we could ever give to repay him. Jesus doesn't invite us based on what we can bring to the table. How should we respond to this invitation? Well, we should respond simply by faith. In faith to Jesus, come. In faith to Jesus, be fed. In faith to Jesus, then, being fed, go and love and serve your neighbor. Why? Because in serving our neighbor, we serve Christ. Listen to those words again from Hebrews 13. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Well, how do you go to him who is outside the camp and bear his reproach? Will we let brotherly love continue? even when it's a difficult or an uncomfortable thing to do. We welcome not angels, but Jesus himself, when we show hospitality to fellow sinners in whom Jesus dwells. We visit and care for those who are suffering for bearing the name of Christ, for Christ himself dwells in his redeemed. We honor marriage by loving the spouse the Lord has given to us to care for. And in so doing, we are caring for Christ in our spouses. And this love that was first shown to us and extended to us should be extended beyond these walls to all people. We show his love by inviting others into our lives so that they too might see Jesus at work. Not that we're necessarily less obnoxious or less poor, but that they would see a reflection of Jesus' riches and grace and mercy in our lives. And not just so that this or any other congregation would simply grow in membership, but so that there would be genuine love and, co and care and compassion for others. And in extending the hand of friendship to those who have nothing to offer in repayment means going outside the city walls and suffering with those who suffer. Coming alongside those who struggle and bearing each other's burdens as Christ himself bore ours. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, the parables are all about Jesus and about our relation to him. How Jesus humbled himself to serve you. How Jesus invited you to his feast. And not just you alone, but every last one of us, poor Aunt Petunia's and obnoxious Uncle Jerry's or Jimmy's, whoever. So brothers and sisters in Christ, trust in what God is doing. And while you're at it, serve your neighbors in love and humility as Christ Jesus has first served you. And come to the feast and be fed. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.